1 Thessalonians chapter 5 of verses 12 to 28. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, well, thank you, Jennifer, for uh, reading the passage for us. Um, hi, my name is Joe. Um, my wife, Zanny, and I and our three kids um, arrived here in September. We've been very grateful for your warm welcome. And um, if you and I haven't had the chance to chat um, before now, I hope we will soon. Now, how do you feel when you're getting ready for a big social event? Uh, you've been invited. Maybe something like a, a 50th birthday party. Uh, a part of us, I know some of us might know of one coming up, uh, a part of us may feel really excited about going. But as it gets closer, if you're anything like me, you may start to think, I don't feel ready for this big social occasion. Uh, I just don't have the energy for it. I'm not an extrovert enough. And there might also be a part of us uh, that doesn't really want to go either. Uh, you've got other pressures calling on you in your life. I think that kind of feeling of unreadiness uh, actually affects every age group. Uh, so um, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, my daughter Florence had a, a sixth birthday party and we had a little gathering at our house. Um, but one uh, mum... Uh, sent us a text uh, on the afternoon of the party uh, to tell us that her son wasn't sure he wanted to come. He, he wasn't feeling ready. He just wanted to stay at home playing with his toys. He just found out that mum wasn't going to be there. He didn't feel ready to go to the party. It was ready for him, but was he going to be ready for it? Our passage today is about how we can be ready for something that's better than a party. Because the Apostle Paul wanted these uh, new Thessalonian Christians 
to pursue the goal of every Christian, being ready for when Jesus comes back. He puts Jesus' return right at the heart of this letter. We've seen it the whole way through the last few weeks. He says that Jesus' return is a part of our rescue, uh, that when he comes back, we'll get to live with him forever, behold him face to face as we were just singing. And he says that Jesus' return is certain and that it could happen any time, like a thief in the night, he'll return. And so in chapter 5, verse 11, just before the passage we're looking at this morning, he says that they are to encourage one another to be getting ready. But the question for the Thessalonians, I reckon, and probably for us if we're trusting in Jesus, is how can we get ready for that? And how can we be sure that we will be ready for something like that? Well, this passage is going to answer those questions. And if you're here today and you're, you're not sure, uh, you believe that Jesus is returning, you're still kind of figuring out uh, faith stuff, then do keep listening. Because hopefully we'll get a glimpse of what uh, attractive life, um, what, or how attractive life is waiting for Jesus' return. Uh, and we'll see what kind of God makes that sort of life possible. But first, shall we pray? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son's return, that it is going to happen, that he will finish what he started at the cross, giving us lasting life and joy with him. Please help us to listen to you now, so that we would be getting ready for Jesus' return, confident that you'll get us ready. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do we get ready for Jesus' return? Uh, Well, God wants us to hear, first of all, that we get ready with peacemaking love. Uh, We see that in verses 12 to 15 um, in our Bibles. Uh, And that starts with loving leaders who work hard. Um, Verse 12, uh, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Love and acknowledge your leaders who work hard, who who care for us, who admonish us, who guide us in how to live for Jesus, even when we might not want to always listen. It sounds to me as if being a church leader is a bit like being a parent. Caring, working hard, admonishing. And like being a parent, a leader's hard work and care and correction, it isn't always appreciated, is it? The Thessalonians, they were more likely uh, to uh, appreciate leaders who met their expectation of success and of wealth. And sometimes we might only love and respect the leaders who meet our expectations. So we might judge Steve by the success or personality or gifts uh, of other vicars that we've known in the past. 
But the Lord who's returning expects us to love and respect our leaders. Not because they match uh, the ideal uh, standard of a leader in our own minds, but because of their hard work for us and for Jesus. And that kind of love is going to lead to peace among us, uh, like verse 13 calls for. Because the church is like any family. Uh, There are fewer tensions between us when we appreciate those who work hard for us, who care for us. But we're also going to get ready by loving each other, even when it's hard work. Uh, Do you see that in verses uh, 14 and 15? Uh, Paul addresses every believer there, and he says, all of you guys, admonish the idle, encourage the disheartened, help the weak. And then verse 15, the the bar is ramped up even higher. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. For the Thessalonians, that would have been a massively counter-cultural thing to say. Uh, For them, treating uh, someone with kindness when they'd wronged you was a sign of weakness. You were a pushover, a wimp. I'm not sure it's that different today. Um, Even in the closest relationships. Uh, So it it probably won't surprise you to know that, that sometimes... And my wife and I uh, fall out. Um, uh, maybe I think she's been unthoughtful in something she said. And in my best moments, I can just about keep myself from saying something unkind. But in that moment, actually striving for her good, trying to be kind, that's a step too far. I'm not going to unload the dishwasher without being asked. She doesn't deserve my help after what she said. Let's be real. I I don't think I'm the only person who experiences that. If I am, you can admonish me later. But maybe someone else here in the church has wronged us at some point perhaps done or said something that made us feel unappreciated. Here's the spiritual principle to take away from these verses. Never treat anyone how they deserve. Never. Always treat them better than they deserve. How different would life be if we loved the people who wronged us like that. That's the love that God showed us when Jesus faced the cross for us. When he was being nailed there and praying, Father, forgive them. That kind of love gets us ready for Jesus' return. But that's a high bar isn't it? Can we be ready like that? It's not just about whether we can be ready. Um, Are we going to want to be ready? Um, 
so much in life keeps us from focusing on Jesus' return. There's always so many things to do, so many worries to face. That's certainly true for me. So we also need to get ready with persevering faith. Uh, We see that in verses 16 to 22. And that faith is only possible when we look up with joy. Uh, Verse 16, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now let me guess what we might uh, think when we hear something like that. Paul, if you knew what I'm going through right now, you wouldn't just say, rejoice, give thanks. That sounds trite. But Paul was a suffering person speaking to suffering people. He knew that suffering Christians only keep going, only keep going in their faith if they look beyond their circumstances, up to God, if they fix their gaze on what he's done for them in Jesus. And when they do, he knows that joyful thanks will flow into their lives. When you see that, it's, it's unmistakable in someone else, I think. Um, so a dear friend and mentor of mine died last Sunday. Um, he had been battling with a terminal illness for the last six months, and his last days were not a fairy tale. But he was able to look up. He remembered what Jesus had done for him. And he was full of an unexplainable joy and thankfulness to be a saved and loved child of God. He was still growing in a persevering faith. And he's eyed ready for Jesus' return. We shouldn't give thanks for all our circumstances. Some of them are awful but we can give thanks in all our circumstances. And so persevere in faith and be ready when Jesus returns. But to get ready with persevering faith, we also need to listen up with care. Um, We see that in verses 19 to 22. Uh, Because as well as facing multiple voices, um, or problems rather, the uh, Thessalonians were facing... Uh, lots of, of people telling them how to live. Uh, and that left them confused. It left them with doubts. If they were going to keep going in faith, they needed to test all the different things they were hearing inside the church and outside the church. And we need to test what we hear too. Um, so uh, a woman once told my dad that God had given her a message. He should marry her best friend. On the other hand, uh, when I was at university, um, I made a bad relationship decision uh, and a friend confronted me and said, you're not living God's way. Which of us should have held on to what we heard? And which of us should have rejected what we heard as just human interference? 
What we needed was God's clear direction in that moment. Well, before the Bible was complete, the first Christians relied on prophecy to get God's direction. That's why verse 19 says, do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt. But now that the New Testament's complete, the main way that God's spirit speaks is through the spirit's word, through the Bible. So we can test what we hear from others against what we hear in the Bible. That's how we'll know to hold on to what's good. That's how we'll know to reject what's evil. That's why uh, Christian leaders encourage us to read the Bible for ourselves. That's why uh, there are little Advent uh, booklets on on sale after church today. Uh, That's why we have sermons. Why else would we spend 20 minutes listening to someone speak? That's why we have Bibles in our pews. So that we can test what we hear in and outside the church. So we can persevere in faith. So we can be ready when Jesus returns. So we're to get ready with peacemaking love. But we find it hard to love others that much. And we're to get ready with persevering faith. But that kind of focus is shaken by the struggles and confusion of day-to-day life. And that's why we need to know that ultimately it's the faithful God that gets us ready. Uh, Do you see that in verse 23? It was on the top of our service sheet. God will sanctify believers through and through. He'll keep us completely blameless. There'll be no part of us that God will find fault with when Jesus comes back. Can you imagine that? Because this God is utterly committed to those who trust him. Verse 24, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. If we've believed in Jesus, we've been called to have life with him. And that's not an invitation that he revokes. Um, Do you remember I said uh, one of my daughters, Florence, um, uh, had a friend who wasn't sure he was ready for her party? Well, when he arrived, our daughter gave him the biggest smile. Uh, She broke through his nerves. She invited him to come and look at her new sparkly sequins teddies. My daughter had invited him, and she made sure that he was ready. And we'll be ready when Jesus returns... Because the God who's invited us to enjoy that with him gets us ready. So maybe you want to grow in love, but other people aren't easy. And you know your own weaknesses. God does tell us to get ready with peacemaking love. But as we try to love like that, the faithful God is working in us. He's getting us ready by growing that love in us. So so maybe there is someone a few pews back uh, who's hurt you. And you're civil with them, but you're not striving for their good. 
as you spot them later, remember this. God is more than capable of bringing love and peace between you and that person. So maybe you ask someone on uh, the leadership team to help you reconcile with them. Maybe you start praying that you would love that person more than you find that you can at the moment. And if there are just too many problems in life right now uh, and and we don't feel like we've got the capacity uh, to go deeper in our faith, well, God does tell us to keep going in persevering faith. Uh, But he also promises to get us ready by growing that faith in us. It doesn't depend on our own emotional energy, however low that is. So when we're feeling the weight of sickness, we can be realistic about our suffering. And we can still look up. We can focus on what Jesus has done for us. Like my friend who who just passed away did. Because God will help us rejoice and persevere. And if you're not sure what you make of, of Christianity yet, can you see how attractive a life ready for Jesus would be? Patiently caring for those in need, making peace and doing good for those you find hard, finding joy in the hardest times, having guidance in a confusing world. Well, that life is motivated by Jesus' return. And it's uh, motivated by confidence that the faithful God gets us ready for it. So if you can see there's something good here, something that might just taste a bit better than life at the moment, why not start to explore things just a bit more? Uh, Maybe have a chat to someone on the staff team you trust about how you might be able to do that. We can get ready because the faithful God gets us ready. So we can pursue that love that makes for peace. And we can pursue that faith that perseveres. God is faithful. And he will do it. Amen.